Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So we continue our summer series, Gifts, as we look at being a people who live by the Spirit. And we're kind of at the halfway point uh, as we're going through this list. We've looked at love, joy, peace, and patience, and we now come to kindness. And when you think of kindness, I, I wonder what it is that comes to your mind when you hear that that word kindness. It might be someone who, who does good things, good things for other people, these you know, good acts of, of kindness. However, the thing is that the brand of kindness that we are looking at this morning, that dwells within us, that's just waiting to be nurtured and grown, as a fruit of the Spirit, is far more than that. It's far more than just an act of kindness. In Hebrew, this word for kindness is chesed. And what it means is it's more like a, a, a mercy that is shown. It's a, a loving kindness. It's born out of that place of, of love and forgiveness and mercy. And that's the, the, the brand of kindness that we will look at this morning, a merciful, loving kindness. You know, there's a lot of people who will tell you that, that Jesus was a, a kind man, that even if they don't identify themselves as, as Christian, they might tell you that Jesus was a, was a good man, he was a kind man, he was a, a moral philosopher. He was a good teacher. He taught us a, a list of things on how to, to live a good life. Jesus was a kind man. Jesus was a good man. But he wasn't just a kind or good man. He was more than that. He wasn't just a teacher or moral philosopher. If we were to look into Acts chapter 10, uh, verse 34. We read of Peter beginning to speak to those that are around. And he says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message that he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. He then goes on. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. With power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. 
God was with him. Jesus clearly did all of these amazing things, and to all intents and purposes, he was a good and kind man. But you see, the, the kind of kindness that he exhibited doesn't get you arrested. It doesn't get you crucified. Going around helping and, and healing people doesn't seem to me to be the, 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 the crime of the, the millennial. So it must have been something else. So why would Jesus be arrested and why would he be crucified? Well, the reason for that is that Jesus is the God of Chesed. Jesus was God walking amongst us, showing mercy, showing this loving kindness that is born from the Holy Spirit. And he exhibited it to all he encountered everyone, not just people that he liked. He showed this radical kindness that seemed to buck the, the society's trends or people that, that would be seen as beyond forgiveness or help. Jesus sat with them. He helped them. He healed them. He showed them a, a loving kindness. He was willing to sit down with them when the rest of the society would say, I'm not doing that. That's what got on the nerves of those that were in authority, that he was bucking the trend. He was showing kindness to people who shouldn't be shown kindness. It was counter to their culture, counter to their society. But Jesus showed a, a godly kindness to everyone that he met. And in our reading that was so wonderfully read out by Morag this morning from 2 Samuel. We encounter a man who was known as a man of God. King David is, after all, known as, as Samuel puts it, a man after God's own heart. And as we get into our part of 2 Samuel, we find him looking around for someone from Saul's family, someone from the lineage of King Saul. Is there any of them left, is what he says. Now, King Saul was the first king of Israel, so he's looking to tap into that lineage. Saul was the one who David faithfully served for a number of years before Saul began to get paranoid that David was looking to take his spot, whereas Saul was doing a great job by himself of disqualifying himself as the king of Israel. And their relationship soured. Now, King David was a man of God. He made mistakes, but he knew what forgiveness was like. But he wasn't someone that we could describe as as weak. He was by no means perfect. He had flaws. And we can't say that he was weak. It's certainly a pushover is not one of the words that I would use to describe David. We might have this picture of David in our head as a, a little shepherd boy or a little shepherd man who writes poetry and songs and plays his lyre. A nice 
safe person to be around. And he did write these beautiful psalms. But the thing is, there was also a song that was written about him. And it spoke of him getting rid of his enemies by the thousands. He wasn't a weak person and not someone to be trifled with. He's not a feeble man. And here we find David asking for Mephibosheth. Bring him to me. You can almost imagine Mephibosheth. Petrified. Absolutely petrified. Because you see, the custom would have been for David to get rid of him. You get rid of anybody that might be a threat. And given Mephibosheth's family lineage, it would make sense for him to get rid of him. So that there could be no acts of vengeance carried out. So you can imagine he's probably petrified. A man who's probably already shunned from the world given that David couldn't, didn't know of him, where, where was he? And we find out that he is crippled in the foot. So probably shunned by the society as being imperfect. All because he has this disability. But David, who has faithfully served Saul until Saul's mind was corrupted, we see David doing something very different, very countercultural. In verse 7, we read David said to him, Do not be afraid, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you yourself shall eat at my table always. Mephibosheth comes in to meet with David, petrified, but David is a man of God. A man who knew what God's kindness was, what this chesed meant. All the mercy that God had shown David over the years, this loving kindness that David had been shown, and we'll look about it next week. But David had experienced it for himself and recognized that there was this call in his life to go and spread that to others that were around him. That he would buck the trend where society tells you that there are people who are beyond forgiveness, beyond showing kindness to. David says no, because kindness has been shown to me by a loving God. And I'm called to go and share that kindness with others. Mephibosheth probably thought that he was about to be killed. But he received something that he would never have expected. Not only a reprieve from that, but given land and a seat at David's table to sit down with the king. He would be looked after David probably remembers fondly Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan, his best friend. And he keeps the promise that he made. Mephibosheth, you will come and eat at my table. He promised Jonathan and he kept that promise. 
And the thing is, God made a promise to his people that he would restore the, the relationship that was broken down in the Garden of Eden. And God kept that promise and he fulfilled it in the person of Jesus. Jesus showed us radical kindness that was born of the Holy Spirit. None more so than being willing to endure the things that we deserved and going to the cross on our behalf. We are shown this radical mercy and forgiveness. And as we sang in our first hymn this morning, we are shown this amazing grace, this free gift, that while we might be deemed unworthy or unjust in the eyes of others here on earth, that isn't how our Father looks at us. We receive this free gift of love and a restoration of our relationship with God from and through our Lord Jesus. But so much more than that. In Luke's Gospel, at chapter 12, verse 35, we read, Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have him sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. There's a mirror here from our reading from 2 Samuel. Mephibosheth is welcomed to King David's table, just as we are welcomed to the table of the Lord here on earth. And when it is our time to go and sit with him in the heavenly realm in eternity. You see, this sort of mercy and loving kindness needs to be shown to all people, including people who maybe haven't earned it yet. And indeed, even those who show no signs of even attempting to earn their forgiveness. That's hard for us to wrap our head around. You see, the thing is, just like that first hymn, God's grace is never earned. We can't do anything to earn it. It's a free gift. Even although we might never get to that place of being able to get it right in our heads, that we don't fully deserve this, God still offers us it. We've received it. And the thing is, just like David, as he had received from God that chesed, that, that loving kindness, he knew that he had to spread it out into the world. And that's the call on our lives too, that as we have received this free gift of mercy and grace, kindness, that we need to go out into the world and show that to everyone that we meet. And that can be hard. It's easy to show kindness to people that are like us. Easy to show kindness to, to those people that we like. Far more difficult to do it to strangers. To people that we struggle with. 
Am I the only person who struggles with other people? I can see some smiles, so I'm going to reckon that I'm not. But I see there are five things that we can do to get ourselves into a place of being able to start nurturing this kindness, this fruit that's just waiting. And that will get us closer to being able to fully show this loving kindness to the world. And the first one is simple. I'm not giving you something hard to do here. This is easy. Smile more. Smile more. You see, it's infectious. Because when I smiled and looked out, a number of faces were smiling back at me. It's infectious. This simple movement of muscles in the face can create a, a very different atmosphere. It might not seem very radical, but in a world that there's a lot of hurt out there, a lot of things that probably don't create a smile, the world needs to smile more. So let's allow more smiling to break into our world by us being the ones that do it. The second one, again, is, is pretty simple. A little bit more difficult than, than smiling, but it's to make eye contact with people. To make eye contact with people. As I spoke about last week, we live in a very fast-paced world where it's like head down, get from A to B as quickly as you can. Look up more, smile, create eye contact with people. And that can be difficult because you might start to create eye contact with someone who maybe doesn't want you to. And they might say, what are you looking at? That's when you need to smile. Because if you smile, it'll break the tension, hopefully. You put those two things together, eye contact and a smile, it changes the atmosphere. It makes you feel better too. As you smile and make eye contact and that connection with someone. And the third one is to say thank you more. To say thank you more. You know, as we've received this amazing free gift from God, we say thank you to God for it. But equally, we say thank you to, to other people. And I'm amazed that how many people, it's a natural thing for me, and I'm not trying to show off, but it's a natural thing for me that when I'm in the, the supermarket and you come through the, the checkout and once you've done your thing, to say thank you to the person that has got you through the checkout. It's a natural thing. But it amazes me the amount of people that don't do it. They'll either be mucking around on their phone while this is happening, or their head's down, absolutely no acknowledgement of what is going on. Or the bus. You know, when I get off the bus, you know, say, thank you, driver. It's a natural thing. I'm sure I'm not the only one. 
But it amazes me the amount of people that don't do it. We need to say thank you more. Acknowledge when someone has done something that we want to thank them for. That leads on to the fourth one, which is to acknowledge the, the presence of others. Acknowledge that there are other people around. You know, this fast-paced world that we live in, where we're going from A to B, the head usually is down. You know, I'm probably my generation and the, the generation below are, are probably the worst for this. But you see it all the time. I've done it myself. Where you walk to the bus stop and you get to the bus stop, you haven't even looked up at this point, you go into your pocket and you're on your phone. Connecting with someone somewhere else, but digitally. And there may well be two or three people around you that you haven't even acknowledged. Haven't smiled. Haven't made eye contact. Haven't thanked them if they moved out of the way to let you kind of move to where you needed to be. We need to start acknowledging the presence of other people. Let them know that we've seen them. You know, Jesus always acknowledged people. Even the ones that were looking to plot against them. He never let them walk by. He would always acknowledge. And I always think of the, the story of the woman who had the, the constant bleeding, who just grabbed his cloak. Now, he could have just walked on, but he acknowledged her. He acknowledged her. This fifth one is probably the hardest one. This is the hardest one on the list, especially for us Scottish people. Compliment people more. Compliment them. And be willing to receive a compliment. That's the hard bit. You know, saying something like, you know, good job, you did a good job there. Well done. That was great. And the thing is, we might think that, that people hear that stuff all the time. We might think that, oh, lots of people probably say well done or, you know, good job or whatever, but they don't. It's not something that we do a lot of. And I think we try and play it off in our minds that, oh, well, maybe someone else has already said it to them. Don't want them to get a big head. But we need to take that opportunity to compliment people more and say, you know, you did a good job there. Well done. And we say thank you that you did a good job. And the thing is, these are all simple acts. At least they're, they're simple acts on a piece of paper when you write them down. Far more difficult to put into practice. However, if we started to do these things more and more and more, just like anything, just like any tree that, that grows, any fruit that grows, it starts off with a small seed. And these things are all small seeds that will get us to that point where we are able to develop this kindness that as we have received that, that amazing, loving, merciful kindness from God, that we look to try and develop patterns in our life that might grow to us being able to extend that same mercy and grace and kindness to others. 
So that's the challenge to us this week, to allow that, that seed that is dwelling within us to, to grow. The challenge is to smile more, to make eye contact more, say thank you and acknowledge the, the presence of other people in the world, and then finally begin to, to compliment them when they do a good job. Because your simple words might only be three or four words. You have no idea how much they can mean to that person at that particular time. And once we've started to develop these things, we get ourselves into a position where we can start to do the, the, the radical acts of kindness that we see Jesus offering to the world. Where we see David with Mephibosheth this morning, where we buck the trend. But it all starts with making those first steps. So let this week be the, the start of us nurturing and developing this chesed, this loving kindness. Because we've received that free gift of love, forgiveness, and a promise to not only be forgiven, but to sit at the, the table of the King of Kings. And we've received that through nothing that we have done. We don't even deserve it. But Jesus wants to do it for us anyway. And we need to take that, just like David did, and show that to other people, to show that loving kindness to others, so that they too can experience for themselves, for themselves, the merciful kindness from an amazing, amazing God. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are a merciful and loving God. We thank you that you look upon us in ways that others might not. That although we might be seen as unworthy and with flaws, you love us. And you show us the radical kindness. Father, would you help us to understand, to experience and feel that more and more each day. And as we grow to understand it, that it becomes part of our internal being. That we might find it easier to smile at people, easier to say thank you, or to compliment one another. We might acknowledge each other as brothers and sisters of an amazing heavenly Father. So would you help us this week as we encounter people that we might be able to show a radical, amazing, godly kindness. And all this we ask in the name of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.